Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey, thank you, Scott. And hello and welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And actually today I'm in Juneau and it is raining and it has been raining for days. It has been raining for weeks. I don't, I think it's 40 days and 40 nights of rain here this week, but we are the best place in Alaska for conservative news, no matter where we're at. And we're standing up for your constitutional rights as Americans and freedoms here on the last frontier. So it's our one year anniversary for our podcast. I am pretty excited about that. And I wanted to um, invite Scott Levesque on. Uh, he's our producer. He's been our producer since day one. And uh, Scott, can you just jump in and give us a quick report on, on how many listeners we've had? We've been, we're growing our numbers, but tell us, how are we doing? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's one year anniversary, so that's awesome. And we've got some, a growing podcast, guys. Uh, we've had over 25 countries download our podcast. We've had over almost 27,000 downloads in a year. Uh, usually we have about 400 to 25 to 450 downloads per episode, and it continues to grow there. So a huge thank you to all of the supporters and listeners to the Must Read Alaska podcast. It's been a heck of a year. It's been a great year. I think we should do it for another year, don't you think? Absolutely. They yeah. want it. And how about you, John? How about you, John? Quick, tell me, are, 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 you, in, are you up for this for another year? You, you oh, gotta yeah. Commit now. Yeah, I'm committed. Oh, yeah. I think I think about 300 <laughs> of those are my mom downloading it, but um, oh, God bless true. her. No, but it's been well, fun. I think I think we've uh, we've had a lot of fun with this, and we've seen the show grow. Um, you know, every month we seem to get more and more viewers, uh, more and more listeners, and we do have also a, a lot of people that listen in on Facebook um, that that aren't accounted for in those uh, downloads. Um, and so you can check us out on YouTube, and we we air the. Uh, podcast on Facebook as well, where you can just listen right then and there, right on your Facebook. Right. So those, uh, so those, those numbers are get added to the four or 500 that we get per week. And anyway, we're grateful for everybody who does listen. Thank you so much. And especially to those people who support the Must Read Alaska project. This is a project that was born in 2015. And it was born because the, the conservatives in Alaska were not getting fair treatment from the mainstream media. They still don't get fair treatment from the mainstream media, but we have jumped in and over the past six years have worked really hard to fill the need of being able to allow conservatives to have their voice in the great big marketplace of ideas here in Alaska because they were being smothered and it just wasn't right. And so I've been doing this for six years. Um, this last year, uh, John convinced me we needed to do a, a podcast and, and Scott kindly agreed to produce it for us. So we've added that on and, and now we're going into our second year. I'm pretty excited about that. So John, I, I, would you just kind of tell me uh, what's going on? I know there on the Kenai, you guys kind of live the dream there and we're not living the dream in Juneau today. So what's going on? Well, it's a, we're living the dream out here in Kenai. And, you know, one other stat I'd like to point out is, um, for those of you that have an iPhone or an Android, you can download our the Newsbreak app, which is a, a big app in, in both app stores. It's probably the, one of the most uh, used news apps out there. And 
our numbers are going through the roof with that app. We had uh, just this last month, we had 6 million views just on that app alone, folks looking at any one of our stories. And so that's a big number. That's people from all over the US uh, that have maybe traveled to Alaska or love Alaska and they're checking out news stories in Alaska. We have the biggest presence on that app for any news organization in Alaska. So um, we're excited that we have that partnership. Every one of our stories gets syndicated through that app. And uh, news in Kenai is we're just living the dream out here. Freedom is the name of the game. And we have a mayor, Charlie Pierce, that sticks up for our freedoms. You know, one of the things that I look at is one of the small litmus tests is my kids are going to school. We homeschooled last year, um, but they're going to public school this year. And they've been able to go to school with no mask mandates still today. Uh, and uh, none of the other you know, things that are in place, uh, they're basically just going to school like normal kids. And I think that that is a really good thing. And I wanna encourage folks all over Alaska that are listening to this, it's because people got involved in the Kenai Peninsula. People started showing up to school board yeah. meetings. People started showing up to assembly meetings. People started writing letters, writing emails, making phone calls and said that we didn't want this. And, and that can happen in your community. We've seen it happen in Anchorage. They elected probably the most conservative mayor that that city's seen in a long while. And things can Maybe change. Yeah. And, uh, but it takes folks like you and I getting involved uh, uh, in the nooks and crannies of our lives. Yeah, and I and and, and that's that's exactly what it is. I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday about the importance of getting involved, and there was last week there was a, a joint meeting in Anchorage between the Anchorage School Board and the uh, Anchorage Assembly, and they meet they meet regularly, like four times a year or something, in this joint session. And it's, it's something where uh, nobody ever goes to see it. Here you have the entire school board and the entire assembly all in one place. You would think that place would be packed with visitors, but nobody ever goes to those meetings. Um, people go to the school board meetings, people go to the assembly meetings, but here you have them all in one place. So there, uh, we need to do a better job at Must Read Alaska really informing everybody about these meetings because they are interested. And I know that when we do encourage people to take part in the public process, you know, we do see a, a better turnout. And, and I think Must Read Alaska has had a lot to do with being able to make sure that Anchorage didn't go down the path of Ethan Bergowitz too, which would have what be what Forrest Dunbar would have been had he been mayor. He'd have us all in masks and he'd have our restaurants closed again. And instead, we we did elect a more conservative mayor um, with Dave Bronson. And you know, he started out doing he's doing an excellent job and he's got a good team around him. He speaking of Anchorage, uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about this story that I just posted today. I don't know why I was reading the Hollywood Reporter, but I was. <laughs> and all of a sudden I saw this story about how the Anchorage Daily News is going to be featured in this new show that's going to star Hillary Swank. And she is going to be a just sort of a disaffected reporter that sort of was a rising star. Then she did something wrong and blew up her career. So she moved to Anchorage, Alaska and joined a newspaper up there. And this is her life of reporting on the last frontier. And that's going to be a TV series on ABC. And lo and behold, it's going to be produced by Tom McCarthy and also the owner of the paper, Ryan Binkley, and one of the star reporters at the Anchorage Daily News, Kyle Hopkins, which 
I think is just hilarious. I think it's just, I mean, I don't know that that Anchorage readers are really going to find that more credible or or less credible. Maybe they can save themselves through having a TV drama. I don't know. Scott, tell me what you what you think about this. Is this just going to be like another Hallmark series? Yeah, you know, it feels a little, uh, I don't know, forced, I guess the best way to put this. I'm not quite sure what any of these individuals have to bring to a a Hollywood set other than maybe just, hey, does this sound like it's Alaskan? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's move on. Uh, listen, adaptations are never good. And, and here's the thing. Okay, here's my thing. We all know how the association goes. Okay, Hollywood's very leftist. You're bringing in a leftist oh, yeah. newspaper with very leftist leaning individuals. So the average Alaskan who is not leftist by means, this is not going to be really that interesting to them. This is a lot like how Alaskans feel about, you know, uh, the deadliest catch or Alaska State Troopers. We live it every day. I don't need to see an adaptation of the ADN, uh, a newspaper who's losing traction. And probably something more interesting, if you want to know, is, is maybe a must-read Alaska or uh, a blog that has become more than a blog, but more of an out, a legitimate news outlet because of the lack of legitimate porting from the mainstream media. But you're not going to see that. What you're going to see is, um, you know, this kind of garbage. And, and again, people my age, I don't know about you, John. I don't know about you, Suzanne. I don't, I don't watch TV anymore. I, I have subscriptions. So I get to choose what I want. They don't have to force this down my throat. Yeah, and I don't I don't even own a TV. So there you have it, folks. I don't own a TV, but but John, I bet you have all kinds of TVs at your house. Oh yeah. We I'm I'm watching CNN all day long. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I uh, you know, I think this is just gonna fall on deaf ears, but unfortunately, I think this this is gonna these people get in the same rooms together and they're gonna pat each other on the back for making, even if this is just a pilot or God forbid, uh, gets put into a season, they're gonna pat each other on the back and tell everybody about how amazing they are and all this good work they're doing. Meanwhile, it's going to fall on deaf ears in Alaska because just like Scott said, people who live in Alaska, they can't even stand the freaking reality shows, let alone some Hollywood produced melodrama about some left leaning paper that doesn't even know how to spell the word truth. And so this yeah. is not going to go well for the Anchorage Daily News if this is something that they felt like, well, we can't pay our bills writing news stories. So let's try to pay our bills with some TV show. I think it's going to backfire on them and they're just going to put a bunch of money into a pit and watch it burn, but they can have fun while they're doing it, I guess. Well, everybody likes shows about Alaska and, but Alaskans ourselves, we kind of look at those shows. We sort of, we sort of chuckle a little bit, but um, I, I just sort of see it as a, it's a sort of this romantic idea. It was a little bit of Hallmark series that you just like a reporter going up to Alaska, but the, unfortunately Alaska newspapers are dying just like newspapers are dying all over the country and so you know it's kind of a fantasy people it's it is the industry that we can think of in the country that has lost sort of more professionals than any other industry 60 percent of the people that used to work in newspapers like five years ago are no longer in newspapers I and mean, they've lost 60 percent of their workforce because newspapers are dying it's just a it's a real dying cause but anyway it'll be it'll be fun anyway it's, it's going to it's going to be a fun thing for the Binkley family. It'll be certainly fun for the newsroom and it'll certainly be fun for all the rest of us. I guarantee you. In the Look meantime, at that. You're an optimist. Um, you are very much an optimist. I love that about you. I am. It's just going to be so much fun for us when we start watching this show and we'll, we'll have a lot of fun with it. 
Um, in the meantime, I, I wanted you guys to uh, know about this story that I did this morning about this amendment that the Alaska legislature was trying to force through uh, last night. They were, they, were, they were debating it at length. And finally, what they did is they killed the whole bill and then put it back in the Rules Committee here in, in Juneau. It's because there was an amendment in there that would have said that hospitals do not have the right to deny patients an advocate in the room with them. And, and this was a very heartfelt amendment because so many of us have known of people who've been in the hospital and who would have died if they didn't have somebody with them who was really their advocate. And because of mistakes that were, are, are made because of lack of staffing or because the staff isn't paying attention or they just don't see something. And I know from personal experience, uh, my former husband now deceased um, was in the hospital after falling off a roof. If I had not been at his side, he would have died because he was gasping for air. He had uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome because it punctured his lungs and uh, was uh, on death's doorstep. And the nursing staff just didn't see it. And I finally called him, I said, this is not right. Uh, something's wrong. And if I hadn't been there, he would have died. And everybody knows somebody has a story like that. And yet the, the Democrats in the, um, in the Alaska House just are absolutely saying, no, we have to let the hospitals make their decision about who goes in these hospital rooms. And, and these are concerns because especially at the beginning when we didn't know much about COVID, we thought, well, you could just transmit it by looking at somebody and that's how it goes. But now we know, we know how to, to really contain it and we can do a much better job. And the importance of having a family member with somebody in a, in, in a hospital room just cannot be overstated. But what I did is I compared the, and you guys will look at that story, I compared the amount of money that has flown from the Alaska Hospital and Nursing Association trade group to these uh, lawmakers. And then you can very quickly see which way they voted. Almost all of them, about 80% of them who got money from ASHNA uh, voted in Ashna's favor, which was Ashna does not want family members to have people in the hospital with them. They just don't. And um, so it was just a story of analysis. I don't know if, if uh, what your thoughts on it are, John, but why don't you, why don't you jump in? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, I want to put this into layman's terms for folks that are listening. If your wife and kids are dying in the hospital, you have Democrats advocating that you shouldn't be in the hospital with them while they're dying. And that is what we've come to in the state of Alaska, that you, we have lawmakers that are championing the fact that you should not be allowed in the hospital room if your wife and kids are dying. And I just think that that is completely ludicrous. And if you look at the dollars that uh, Suzanne has uh, put out the story uh, today, you'll see that if somebody was given money from a PAC, for the most part, they voted in line with what these bureaucratic hospital CEOs or boards or whatever they are, wanted them to vote. And it's just sad that this is what we've come to, that people are advocating that you should not be allowed in the hospital room when your wife or your kids are dying. I think it's, it's a very sad day in Alaska. It's sad. So Scott, um, did you happen to take a look at that story? I don't know if you have any thoughts about I did. Uh, this is a this is an example of two things. Here are my two thoughts. Number one is, do we remember John? Um, I, I'm trying to remember his name right now. Um, 
I believe it was something like John, no, Marvin, Marvin Abbott. Do you remember Marvin Abbott when his daughter was in the hospital and because of COVID, oh. he was not allowed? Yep, yep. Well, and he was sitting well, outside yeah, the was hospital a, or whatever. For she like was a 26-year-old girl who had, who had suffered some severe asthma attack. And because of COVID, he was forced to sit outside in the lawn and waiting to see his daughter as she's clung to life because of a severe asthma attack. This has shades of this all over again. And if you remember, that story rippled around town and people were irate that the fact that this man who traveled- the world. Yeah, traveled to Anchorage to see his daughter who was clinging to life in critical condition. He was not allowed to see her. Now, eventually the pressure got so much that they, the Providence allowed him to go in there. In my mind, this goes against every form of logic I can think of. I have a feeling that the reason why that they're saying all of this, we can't allow parents, people in there, parents, husbands, wives, whatever, is because of the COVID concerns. Well, let me tell you this. Most of those nurses have been vaccinated and those who do not will not get vaccinated. And we are told that vaccination helps prevent if a loved one, family member or otherwise, wants to go in and put themselves at risk to be with a loved one who's suffering, whether it's from COVID or something else, the, the, the idea that a hospital would not allow that when research has shown that patients recover and are able to get back to a form of stabilization based on having loved ones in the room. And this is proven research. I have no idea what is going on other than this is just hysteria. This is people wanting to have control. And the bottom line is this is what takes lives. This is what adds to the death toll. I, I know of a person right now who died of COVID because number one, their family members were not allowed in there. So he sat alone, isolated in a room for a week, for a week, and then eventually went on a respirator. And then the family was around because he was about to die. The thought that he could have gotten better because he had people in that room who he loved and were encouraging him. And that was denied, mm -hmm. even though the family member was willing to rave every right is absurd to me. And this is where we're at right now. We have illogical decisions being made based on actual logical depth. And that to me is a crime in itself. Pretty much a crime. So I, I just noticed that uh, the house, what they call themselves the house coalition, it's mainly the Democrats with a couple of extra Republican turncoats involved with them. Uh, they just sent out a press release today saying that, and, and Louise Stutz, who's the speaker of the house, makes the most outrageous statement. She says here, healthcare facilities across our state are over capacity, treating patients in parking lots and converting conference rooms to patient wards. Now, I don't know where she's getting that from. I know that we're doing testing in parking lots. I, knew that, I know that we're, uh, we're, you could get a, a COVID shot anywhere you wanna go. But the problem with our hospitals is, is not the number of rooms that we have or beds that we have. It's the fact that we don't have enough staff. So the fact that she's saying people are being treated in parking lots is just an out and out lie from the Speaker of our House, trying to scare people and, and make them think, you know, the hospital administration is right, you shouldn't allow people in the rooms. When there's a lot of evidence that shows that if you have a family member in the room, not only the advocating piece, like I was describing before, and many people on the House floor who, who voted in favor of this amendment, they also had stories just like this that said, if I hadn't have been there, this person would have died. And so it actually improves medicine when you have a family member 
um, alongside that patient, staying with them, monitoring them, and you know, helping them, maybe helping them to the bathroom, or or if something's not right, knowing when to call the nurse and say something's not right. And yeah, we we don't have enough staff up here in Alaska, and and the governor does have some legislation where he's trying to loosen the requirements so that we can get more staff up here more quickly. It looks like that's going to die in the legislature as well. And we we know that the legislature, this particular session, which is the third special session, ends on Wednesday at midnight, and they really haven't gotten much done yet. Uh, they might get this bill passed that we're talking about with that has the patient patient's rights uh, piece in it. It's an amendment in it. But what they did, because they just were so objected to patient's rights, they actually threw it back into the rules committee where they're going to strip this amendment out of it. So they will kill the entire bill, which is, the bill has to do with telehealth. And go check out the story I must read Alaska because it'll tell you more about it. But it is the telehealth bill and in it, Sarah Vance from Homer, who's the representative from Homer said, we really need to have a piece in here that advocates for uh, patients. And um, that was a, it was a quite a, a interesting debate last night. And in the middle of that debate, I just want to mention that we have a, uh, our Virginia grifter, Zach Fields, who represents <laughs> downtown Anchorage. And he got up, he got the mic briefly and boy, he went nuclear on vaccines and he went nuclear on the Republicans. He basically said that Republicans are responsible for the deaths of people. And he, he said uh, the bloggers are and the politicians, he, meant, he said Republicans and the politicians in this room are responsible and the fear mongers are responsible for, uh, for the fact that people aren't getting the vaccines for COVID and they're dying. And he went on and on and on until finally somebody in the room, several people said, you know, point of order, point of order. And the point of order is that you cannot impugn the motives of your fellow politicians. Well, Speaker Louis Stutz allows the, the Democrats to impugn the motives of the Republicans all the time. Oh, yeah, every she day. just doesn't, she, <laughs> she just doesn't let it go the other day. And I don't know, what are your thoughts on that, John? Well, uh, Zach Fields represents everything that's wrong with Alaska, in my opinion. He's like a NASCAR, if he was a NASCAR car, he would have the unions and the hospitals and all the special interest groups stickered up plastered on him. all over him. And the one sticker that wouldn't be plastered on him was actually the people that live here in Alaska. And he makes a mockery of, of the house floor. And, and you can see on the video just that um, he violates the rules of, uh, you know, the rules of order and gets called out it's on Mason, it. Mason's manual. It's the, it's the rules they follow. And, uh, you know, my favorite line of the whole thing is he chimes in after he's called out. He says, I'm allowed to say what I want to say or something like that. And yeah, he's I'm just, allowed to, to speak my opinion. Yeah, he's just, uh, he is the quintessential left-leaning uh, party person who will, every day of the week, put special interest groups above the people of Alaska. And uh, that's what we're working with here in Alaska. Unfortunately, he represents the downtown uh, segment of, of Anchorage. And I don't know, Scott, if you had a chance to take a look at that story and what your thoughts are. Yeah, I did have a chance to take a look at that story. And uh, once again, this is Democrats ironically using the Republicans are doing fear mongering and conspiracy theorists when they're exactly doing the same thing in the moment that they're comparing us to that, that kind of uh, straw man, if you will. Uh, I just have a couple of questions for Mr. 
Zach Fields, what do you care about the unvaccinated if you're vaccinated? I think we've just, again, we've lost the ability to be logical in the midst of just uncontrollable fear about vaccinations. I am pro-vaccination. I don't care if you get vaccinated. It's, it's your prerogative. But the idea that Republicans specifically, and then I would assume these subsets of Republicans to most of the unvaccinated are killing other people. What people are you talking about? Again, this case is made just like it's made when it comes to abortion. The abortion cases are a lot of what people use are really substrata, the far ends of the bell curve to make the point about abortion for or against. And I feel like this is what's happening right now when it comes to the vaccination cases. It's, well, the immunocompromised. That's a real small subset on that bell curve of what's really happening. And the idea is, is that the vaccination works like all of the uh, pro-vaxxers are saying, then they shouldn't be worried about it because they're, they're completely secure against the vaccinations. And if a person des- decides not to get vaccinated, well, that's their prerogative. That has been their prerogative. And to assume that the unvaccinated are killing the vaccinated would go against what the narrative has been this whole time, which is if you're vaccinated, you should be good. You should be totally fine. And I'm not seeing that. And then again, just my last point here, we don't want to look at like the Israels or, or the Icelands who have 85 plus percent of their population vaccinated and are having the worst outbreak in COVID in the world right now. So what do we say to that, Mr. Zach Fields? How do you? Yeah, do you no, we don't want to that? talk about that. Uh-uh. You know, the fact that Israel right. is all the scientists in Israel saying, look at the vaccine isn't working anymore. We're getting all these breakthroughs. Most of our cases are now breakthrough cases. Oh, yeah. Dear. So we, we, we don't want to look at logic. What we want to do is we want to demonize the other side. And unfortunately, politics is no longer the, the let's come together in time of need. It's let's separate further and keep the wolves and the sheep apart. That, it's just it's, it's sad. And what ends up happening, this is not a time to do that. This is a time to, hey, if you want to get vaccinated, you can. If you don't, that's your prerogative, too. But we're not doing that right now. And, and what's worse is that we're not even being logical about it. Heck no. And I, I, I'm, we, we were talking about this earlier before the show, we're talking about how the North Slope, all the, all the producers up there have given all their workers until I think December 1 to get their vaccines or they won't be able to work on the North Slope. I'm telling you, that could shut down the pipeline. There are a lot of workers up there who might just say, you know what, I'll just take my chances and I'm, I won't be going back to work. So at some point, you, you got to wonder if this if people are going to be ready for sort of some sort of nationwide strike worker strike against this because i, I put a story up a little a while ago today from this the trafalgar group which is a very credible polling group and they asked people if they if they think that the president has overreached his powers in mandating the vaccine for um, the private sector which he has for companies that have over 100 workers or more and a vast majority of Americans think he's overreached. It really separates out. If, if you're a Republican, 85% of Republicans think the president's overreached. And if you're a Democrat, it's a, it's a little bit less, it's about 46%, but it's still quite significant. And But overall, it's, it's over 58%. It's almost 59% of Americans think that the president has overreached into the private sector. And you wonder at what point, I don't know if you saw the newsletter this morning, but there's a hospital in New York and they will, are no longer going to be taking any expectant mothers because they don't have enough workers anymore. What's happened is all the hospital workers are quitting. 
because they don't want to get the vaccine. And so moms are, are going to be giving birth in the parking lot. That is going to happen, but not for the reasons that Louise Stutz says so. It's because we're driving our workforce out of the workforce. So I've got another uh, uh, story that I wanted to just ask uh, John about. Uh, I know that we've got an Alaska Airlines CEO in kind of hot water. We've got a story on that. Is there anything else that people are really commenting on? Well, I think, uh, you know, a lot of folks are commenting. We, we ran a uh, story about uh, Alaska Airlines and kind of how they're objectifying uh, females, uh, potentially objectifying females, and allegedly the CEO of Alaska Airlines has been doing some erroneous behavior on the side. And I think folks... Extracurricular uh, activities. <laughs> extracurricular activities. I think uh, there's a whole group of folks that are just sick and tired of these airlines trying to mandate our health and try to tell us what we can and can't wear, especially if you're a female, they're going, literally kicking females off the plane for things that they deem as inappropriate attire. Um, and I just think that these airlines are gone way too far with being many dictators. Um, it's the only place I'll wear a mask if I'm flying to Hawaii, but I don't wanna be sit there and ream for what my wife's wearing uh, sitting next to me. Um, or but you just you do kind of wonder where it kind of ends now these these particular women who were thrown off the planes were wearing what I would call sports bras or um, maybe they were just like very very short tops midriff tops but they were top, kind of like sports bras kind of yeah and I know it's kind of a thing now you see it a lot out there where people are wearing these crop tops and they have shirts over them sort of as jackets but they've got a lot of midriff showing and a few years ago the midriff was the big thing it was showing everywhere but why is it that all of a sudden it's the midriff that's that's so offensive to the airline? Why is it not the jeans that have the holes in it? Because that's also very fashionable. Why is it not uh, the jeans that are you know slung down way 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 below the boxer shorts? Why not that? Why is it the women who are who Alaska Airlines is picking on? You know the problem with Alaska Airlines is once they decided to get political. Let me tell you, politics is smash mouth. You want to get political, Alaska Airlines? This is not a game. People who have been doing politics for a long time—they aren't playing. They will fight back, and that's what Alaska Airlines is now seeing: is that they they issued the Black Lives Matter attire. They they you know started giving special fares to kids who are going to do predominantly historically black colleges. They started doing all of this very social justice stuff. They painted their, their planes with rainbow colors and doing big rainbow celebrations for LGBTQ. And now they, they're gonna be a little upset when they find out that actually two can play that game and their passengers are going to revolt. Um, if they want to get political. And I would advise companies, don't get political. It's, you know, be in business, do your business, but you don't need to be political. Okay, you guys, we got we to gotta run. I see the clock running out on us. But before we go, sign up for the Must Read Alaska newsletter. Do me a favor. We have 12,000 Alaskans that get this newsletter three times a week. And we have a lot of great content in there that you won't find on the website because I just cram it into that newsletter and, and, and get it out the door. And sometimes it just doesn't make it to the website. But for instance, today got a lot of really fascinating data, data points about redistricting in there. And that's important. Trust me, that's important if you want to see Alaska remain conservative. And before I go, just thank you to John Quick and Scott Levesque, who are the best people to work with on the planet. I love you guys. You're doing a great job on the Must Read Alaska show. And I count on you so much every week. 
Thank you for sticking with it for this entire year. And let's make this next year a fantastic year. So until then, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska.